Evening church, hope you had a, a super day today. Did anyone have a good day? Hands up. All right, some of the church is alive tonight. Praise the Lord, that is good. Please take your Bibles, we're going to turn to Romans 15. Romans 15. And we're going to read a verse, verse 13. There's a bit of an echo. And I'm not looking for an echo. All right, so Romans 15 and verse 13. I want to read a verse to you. Um, I preached on this verse a little while ago. I'm not going to preach the same message. I'm going to look at a, a particular thought out of it, which um, is still going on, driving me insane. All right, so Romans 15 verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to pray and ask God to help us and then we'll look at just some simple thoughts tonight. Um, and I'll just go through what I've got and then we'll be done when we're done. So, let, so let's pray. Lord, thankful for the opportunity to be in church on a Wednesday night. Thank you for being able to sing and to think about you and to reflect on, uh, Lord, you and, and uh, who you are. And I just pray that as we look into this verse tonight and, and other verses as well that we can glean something. pray that you'd help me as I just bring the word tonight, help me to do it in, in a way that's easy to understand. And then I just pray for your working to, to do your will with what's said, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, as mentioned recently, I preached a message called The God of Hope. Um, and we looked at this particular verse, uh, which uh, was obviously talking more about hope. Okay, That was the thought of that message, how we can have hope. Um, but I wanted to tonight look at the thought of joy. And recently I, I thought about my own life and my own Christian walk and I, I thought to myself, do I have joy? And I want, you, I want to ask you that question for yourself tonight, for you to answer personally, do you have joy in your Christian life, in your Christian walk? Um, the Bible does tell us in this verse, it says that God wants to give us joy. It says that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. And it is something that I think we kind of get a little bit confused what joy really is. When we think about joy, or, or what, if the world was to, to describe joy, I think they often get a little bit confused with the thought of just happiness, or maybe excitement, or even elation. That's what people would class joy as. For example, um, I can feel that emotional joy or happiness when Parramatta beat the Broncos like little girls like, like, like they did last Friday night. If you watched that, you would have felt great, I guess, elation and excitement and cheerfulness as try after try after try was scored. You'd be going, yay! Now, that's an example of emotional joy. But then I don't feel the same joy when I'm confronted with something or I'm going through something where or there's uh, maybe, maybe an argument or, or I'm being or there's a confrontation. I don't feel that, that same emotion. I feel other emotions. So these emotions that we feel every day are very real, right? You know what it's like. Um, even today, I, I, I was doing my work and there were things happening and I was thinking about the message and I realised I'm not actually having any joy right now, all right? Things are happening and they weren't working well and I had to deal with some, some things and they weren't going real well and I thought, man, this emotion thing is very real and I want to try and help you tonight 
to see that when the Bible talks about joy, especially in this verse, it's not just that emotional thing. It's not just happiness or the, the, the thing that we feel at a certain time, but there's a lot more deeper than that. In fact, I want to say tonight that when we think about Christian joy, it's more than just the feeling, but there is a contentment. When we think about joy, it kind of leads us to, con- to contentment. Now, in Romans, uh, Romans 15, verse 13, notice there is another word that's associated in that verse. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. The two seem to go side by side. So I want you to think about this. When, when we understand the true nature of joy, peace usually follows after. All right? And then the same thing, when we have peace, joy will, will normally follow as well. So there's a lot more than just this instant feeling that we get because we have an ice cream or because something good happened. It's got to be more than that because God just doesn't fill you with this instant happiness and then as soon as something changes it, it all goes astray. That's not what, what God wants. So I'm going to look at just some simple thoughts tonight to help us be thinking about what joy is. I, obviously, it is a broad subject and, and, and I can't cover everything and, and I probably couldn't do it justice anyway. But we will look at some thoughts and um, hopefully we will, we will glean something from that tonight. So the first thing I want you to know is that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So I'm looking at Galatians chapter 5. We'll look at a couple of different passages tonight. Galatians chapter 5 and verse uh, 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So notice the first one was love. We know... Love is, is probably the greatest. But then it, the, the very second and the third one is joy, which is what we're looking at tonight, closely linked and associated with peace. So they're very important parts of, of God's fruit for Christians. Joy is supposed to be something that we demonstrate. Okay, we, we think about fruit. We, we always think about, the, obviously, the, the illustration of a tree, a fruit tree, when... Um, when you're like me and you see a tree or a plant, you have no idea what what it is. You know if it's got leaves, you know if it's got bark, you know it's in the tree family. But that's the extent of it. Laura will often say, oh, have a look at that flower and the name of it. And I think, I have no idea what that is. I think I can probably distinguish a rose maybe. Um, half the time I don't know what's a weed and what's not in the garden. So don't ever ask me to come and weed your garden because your favourite plants may be gone as well. All right? But we can often, if I saw an apple tree with apples on it, I can probably say, that's an apple tree, all right? A fruit is something that distinguishes what sort of tree it is or what sort of plant it is. And the same is supposed to be for us, that joy is one of those things that should be evident in our lives to distinguish who we are. I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, I wonder, have you ever thought what sort of fruit is being displayed on on your life tree at any given moment. And as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, the things that people see in us, acted out in us, do you think those things would be, or do you think they would see some of those fruits of the Spirit? 
And I wonder, do people see a real joy in your life when they see you? The Bible says it's supposed to be that way. Okay, it is a fruit of the Spirit, and joy is one of those things that should be evident in believers. If you just had an apple tree that never bore any fruit, you might know it's an apple tree, but if there was no apples on it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it's a very good tree. Eventually, you would walk away and you'd plant something else. If it would never produce any fruit, you may even chop it down, you may even get rid of it if it wasn't producing. But joy is something that should be evident in believers, and I believe we can have real joy. Now, I can't say that I've learned how to do it. I can't say that I have joy all the time, but it should be something that is evident in my life and in your life as well. When we think about joy as a fruit of the Spirit, it is something that should remain and not a change according to the wind. You think about it, we use the, the illustration of an apple tree. If an apple tree had an apple on it, and then a storm came, and then the next day it came out and it had a banana on it, you'd be like, what? That's strange. There was an apple yesterday, and now there's a banana. And what happened, it was strange, it happened when that wind came. When that storm came, it changed. Then the next day, there's a bit of a rainy season, and the next day, and now there's a cucumber on there. Now, cucumbers don't grow on trees, do they? No. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. How come there's a cucumber there? That is strange. Lucky I didn't say potato or something. Just as bad. So the winds, if, if that was the case, we would say, wow, that is really, really strange. That shouldn't happen. And the same with our lives. If we start to produce some fruits of the Spirit, when the winds of life come about and storms come in our life, those fruit just shouldn't change all the time. It shouldn't be... We saw some joy and then because a problem came, now there's this real anger and, and problem and hatred that often comes out in our lives. And it, it's scary when you really think of it like that because even today, like, some of those feelings and emotions come up that are not good when things are not going well or if there's a frustration. Okay, it was, it, it was more frustration I was feeling. And I started to think because I knew I was speaking on joy tonight and I thought, man, there's just not any joy there. There's frustration. So it shouldn't just change according to the wind. Fruit should grow and continue to grow. And I understand everybody has, is at different stages in life. Your fruit may be, may be greater, more shiny, more, more vibrant, more fruitful than mine, but there should be some evidence of joy in our lives. Notice in, in Romans 15 verse 13 it says... Uh, the God of hope fill you, fill you. It's not something that we naturally just have. Naturally, I have carnal thoughts. Naturally, I have selfish thoughts. I have sinful thoughts. I have sinful actions. Naturally, that's, if I'm left to myself, that's where we're all going to go. But God needs to fill us with the spiritual joy. He needs to fill us with those things, with joy and peace. We can't do it on our own. Now, I'm going to explain in just a moment some ways God does that. But I want you to understand it's not a natural for us to just have this, this fruit, but it's got to be developed. What, you don't just plant an apple, an apple tree and then overnight apples appear. There, there is a process of elements. There's a process of time for that fruit to come about. And it's the same in your life 
and in my life as well. So the first thing I want you to think about is joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And the second thing is that joy is crucial to successfully navigating life's turmoils. And I'm, this, the, this kind of leads in from what I just said about God filling and, and, and how he does this. Let's have a look in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3. Some of these verses you'll know if you've been saved a while. You'll know some of these verses. But it's good to be reminded and reflect on them. So James chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Joy is crucial to successfully navigating life's turmoils. Have you ever noticed that daily there are different types of turmoils? It just happens. Now, they may not be like great as in the whole world is collapsing, but it can be like what I experienced today, just some frustration about things. Things that you're planning to do and, and they don't work out or you, you, or you come across a person that just didn't make the day go well or you got sick or a bill came in and, and life can just be filled with turmoils, but the Bible says, count it all joy. We should, be, we, we should be joyful when these things happen. Now, again, we're not talking about that. It doesn't say just be happy that life's not going well. But, and that's the difference between happiness and joy that leads to peace and contentment. So when, when the Bible says we, need to be, uh, we should have joy in those things, it's not just the, the emotion but it's, the, but it's the peace and contentment that we can have through those things. And there is a reason why God allows these things to come in because remember I said that the fruit of the Spirit isn't just instantly there, it's a process of time and it's a process of elements to produce those fruits. And this is one of the ways that God helps us to develop some of those things, to develop these fruits. Have you ever thought about that, that God is a master in long-term stepping stones? God is a master at long-term stepping stones. With keeping verse 3, which I haven't just talked about yet, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, I want you to have a look in Romans chapter 5 as well. Romans 5, I'm going to read some verses out of here from verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. There's that word peace that is so closely connected with joy. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice. There's, that, there's a joy there, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. So there's that being joyful in, in diverse uh, temptations. We can rejoice, we can glory in tribulations also. And this is the reason, and this is why I say God is a master at stepping stones, because this is what God is trying to do. Knowing this, uh, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. It's a stepping stone. Patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, 
which is given unto us. So if you want to be a fruitful Christian, if you want to display some fruits of the Spirit, if you want to show some love in your life, some joy, some peace, guess what? God is going to have to bring us through some, some turmoils, some tribulations, some testings to help us produce those fruit. Because it's at those times where those things that go wrong, and I'm so thankful that it happened to me today because it got me, it caused me to think, how am I responding to these things? And I was soon made aware that, Paul, you're not showing any fruit right now, you're showing some flesh. Because I was, just, I, was, um, I was frustrated. Now, frustration is, it's an emotion that, that, that we have. It's a, I guess it's a normal human emotion, but it shouldn't be the controlling factor of my life. It shouldn't, be the, the, it shouldn't be the default that I go to when there's a problem. It should, over time, as God brings me through these things, from stepping stone to stepping stone to where I'm now starting to show some joy and peace and contentment because God is doing that. Okay, so God is a master in long-term stepping stones. I want to have a look in Acts chapter 5 before I get into a couple of simple ways that we can both ourselves and help each other have some joy. But Acts chapter 5 and verse 41. So this is, um, some of the disciples had been, had been preaching, they'd been put in prison, they'd been let out by the Holy Spirit, they had been, they'd been preaching again, they were brought before people saying, you shouldn't be doing this, we told you not to preach, and, and Gamaliel tells them to those Pharisees and says, listen, we need to not act too hastily. We shouldn't be too hasty in this. And it, at the end of this particular chapter, I like what it says. Now, let's read from uh, verse 39. It says, but if it be of God, and that's their that's their preaching ministry. If it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. So they all said, okay, you know, you're speaking some pretty wise words there. We'll listen. So when they, had, when they agreed and when they had called the apostles, notice this, and it says, and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. So I'll read the next verse in just a sec. So, these men were preaching, they'd been in trouble, they had been said, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, yet they kept doing it, God allowed them to do it, God actually told them, I think, in this passage, to go and preach again. And when the, when the Pharisees and Gamaliel got together, they said, listen, against God, you're going to be fighting against God. So they went, all right, yeah, true. Guys, come here. Don't, we're going to let you go, but don't go out preaching anymore, okay? Like kind of just in one hand, you were going to go, but we're going to beat you up anyway. Now notice what happens. So do you think these apostles, disciples had just had some turmoils in life? Something has just happened that probably not a good thing. If it happened to you, do you think you're going to be joyful or you'd be pretty frustrated like I probably would? I'd be feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to be serving God and all this is happening. Why, God? Now notice verse 41. And they, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
And then notice not only with that, but they continued in daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So these disciples, through the turmoils of life, and I know that they walked with Jesus and I know that they knew him closely and, and were probably more spiritual than, than you and I, but the truth is still there. They had, through the, through the stepping stones and turmoils of life, God had helped them and, and taught them to have a little bit of joy, to be content and peaceful about their circumstances. When you can get to that stage, I guarantee you there'll be a different look about you, a different attitude that, you'll be, that you, you will be displaying. When the brethren come into church and we know that something really heavy has been going on in their life and yet they can come to church, again, not in this emotional hype of happiness, but there's a, that there is an inner peace and, a, and an inner joy that, God, that they know God is allowing this. God is bringing them through this and we can just be mesmerised by just their joy. doesn't mean that they're happy and excited, but there is a, hey, I'm, I thank God that he's allowing this into my life. I may not understand it all. I don't know why this is happening, but I am thankful for it. So not everyone experiences joy as quickly as others and sometimes the processes we go through to develop joy can be taxing and even often discouragement can set in in any of us. So I want to just finish with a couple of things that we can, I guess, use or what are some things that we can do to help ourselves experience some joy. Just I've got three, uh, three simple things here that can help you. Let's have a look in Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17. Verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. <clears throat> the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. If you don't have a merry heart, then you need something to help you that's like medicine, and that's a merry heart. Now, how do you get a merry heart? You can, you can buy my new a dad joke book in 1995 at all, at all good Christian bookstores. Right? That's why you can have a merry heart. Or, or you can do some other things. Number one, you can, you can get around the preaching of God's word. I don't know about you, but... Uh, and I've said this before, but I have come to church not feeling very merry, not feeling very joyful. Something's happened, you finish work. Wednesday nights are often the hardest because you've just processed the day and now you come to church. And sometimes you just, I'd rather just go home. I'd rather not be here. But when you come to church and you take the time to sit and listen, no matter who's preaching, no matter what it is, if you allow it to, God's word can do a change in your life. And it's like a medicine. The very times that I've, the worst days I've come to church, when I've left, I'm, again, I'm not this, woo, I'm not this happy, happy guy, but something's taken place in my heart where it's like a medicine, there's like a tonic. It's like I've just drank something and I feel, whew, that's so much better. Get around the preaching of God's word. If you are struggling with some things and there's no joy, Make sure you're in church. I can't stress it enough. Make sure you make the effort. 
even when you're tired, even when there's something else on that you really want to do or see or watch or whatever it is, make the effort to come to church because it will do wonders for you. Surround yourself with a positive Christians. Surround yourself with, with, with positive Christians. Let's have a look in Ephesians chapter 5. Again, these are just some practical things that you can do and then there's a couple of things that we can do for others to help them get through. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you get around some positive Christians... It could be at church or it could be just having some fellowship. Now, I know we, it, it, it talks a bit more about music there, but speaking to yourselves in, in psalms and hymns, just, I, I guess, edifying speech, things that will promote, things that will encourage. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, to, uh, to chat with some of the other guys that, that maybe I haven't chatted with in the past very much and trying to be positive, and it's been good for me, as I say, praying for you. Um, as we talk about spiritual things, it's been good and I hope I can be that for them as well. But surround ourselves with, po- with positive Christians. Isn't it interesting those who are negative quite easily find others who are negative? Those who are negative get frustrated with Christians who are positive. It's like opposites, like a, people who are negative want to stay negative. But get around, don't hang, if you realise that there's negativity going on in your life or you're frustrated or you're discouraged, don't, don't hang around with those who are the same. Look for those who are positive. Do something for yourself. Second thing that I want you to think about, and this is something that, that, that we can do for others as well, be careful what we say. Let's have a look back in Proverbs. There's two verses that I want to look in Proverbs. So we're nearly done. Proverbs chapter 15 and Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs 15 and verse 23 first. It says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. So... You can make sure you think about what you say before you say it. I think sometimes I've opened my mouth without thinking and then I've gone away going, feeling not happy, but oh, I shouldn't have said that. Didn't think about that very very much or I jumped in too quick or I've made a judgment on something and I've made a call on something which I didn't know the full facts about and I've been, I've been wrong in doing that and I've discouraged myself. But a good word spoken in due season, sorry, a a word spoken in due season, how good is it? So what I mean by that is, you know someone's going through some troubles in life and you can see there's no joy and there is discouragement and you know they're struggling. How good is it when we go, hey brother, just want to let you know, I'm praying for you, can we pray now? How good is that? How good is that when, when, when you're struggling and someone's not trying to pry. Someone's not trying to fix your problem or tell you what you've got to do. But they've just come alongside and they've said, I can see there, there's a problem. I, I'm not interested in what it is, but I want to pray for you. Or is there something that we as a church can do? 
Is there something that, I, I know it could be personal, but we want to help. A word spoken in due season, how good is that? You know how much that can encourage someone? Just to know that someone cared. That can stir the heart. That can make the heart merry. That spoken word can be just like a medicine. Just like if you went to the doctor and said, doctor, I'm feeling discouraged here, take this pill. This will fix you. Wouldn't it be good if we didn't have to do that? But if we said, brothers and sisters, I'm struggling with something. I won't elaborate what it is, but I'm really just not doing well. Let's pray. A word spoken, due season, how good is it? And then Proverbs 12. I jumped out of there. Proverbs 12, very similar thought. Proverbs 12 and verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. A good word. Why don't we become a church that seeks to speak good words to one another, encourage one another, give credit where credit's due. Someone is doing well, say, I'm glad you're doing well. All right? When someone's not doing right, in the right spirit and, in the right, and at the right time, sometimes we may have to say, listen, that's just not right. It's got to be right. We're going to make sure our spirit is right. We don't just blast. But, we, but a word spoken in due season, sometimes there is a season where we get to say, hang on, that's not right. We can't do that. We can't say that. We can't act like that as Christians. Sometimes we've got to do that. But how good is that when we do it right? We can actually do something. Think about what we say and then live in a way that is right as this can be the encouragement that brings joy to people. We'll look at one more verse and then we'll be done. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse. So this is Paul talking about the, about the Corinthian church. Let's start in verse 6. It says, Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of, of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance." For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh rep- repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. There's lots of wording there, but the Corinthian church was rebuked by Paul, and even though it, it, was, it was obviously stern wording, they repented. They had made a change in their life. And that action of that church, receiving the right word in due season, encouraged Paul to rejoice. Um, it, it talks about there, it says, um, he was comforted by the, by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us, 
of your earnest desire, your mourning, your, your fervent mind toward me. So here's, a Titus has gone to visit them and he's come back and said, hey, these guys are making a change. They, they, you sent them a letter that was, that was harsh and, but there's a change going on. So the actions of people can be something that can cause others to rejoice. And I want to encourage you tonight, make sure that you let your actions be the actions that will encourage others, not discourage them. We want to make sure that when people look at our lives, they can say, Pastor Shemish, that church is on fire because brother so-and-so is doing this and sister so-and-so is doing that and whoever we speak to, let's be encouraged by the actions of each of us rather than be a discouragement or a distraction. So there are some things that God is doing, but there are some things that both we can do personally for ourselves, but for other people to help the process of joy. And again, it's not the elation or the happiness or, the, or when your football team wins, all right? That's just a fleeting thing, comes and goes. When your football team loses, guess what? You're not going to have any joy. You're going to be that discouragement. Oh, woe is me. That's not spiritual joy. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. When joy comes, peace follows. And as you have, when, when peace is there and contentment, you're going to have some, some real joy in your life. All right, I'm going to finish there. Thank you for listening. I hope I didn't get too long. I tried to stick to about 30 minutes or so. I'm going to ask Alvin, you're going to come and read a prayer letter, I believe, and then whoever else is coming.